This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi everyone, welcome back. I hope you're all having a lovely week. In today's episode, I want to talk a little bit more about friendships, and especially vulnerability which, in my opinion, is part of the secret sauce to building deep and intimate friendships. Just a little content warning here because I want to be as considerate as possible. This episode does touch on divorce, alcohol, someone who has cancer, and Pamela Anderson's sex tape. Okay, I had such a wonderful weekend. I actually saw two of my best friends on Saturday, which was so good for my soul. One of them, Bree, who's literally my heart in another body, moved to London, Ontario in the pandemic, and the other, Robin, who's my empathetic social justice warrior in like the best way possible, just recently moved back to Toronto, so the three of us were due for a visit. We decided to meet in the middle, which brought us to Kitchener, Ontario, and our only goals were to be comfortable, not be rushed, and have some food. So we met at the local Jack Astor's. Now, if you haven't been to Jack Astor's, they have that like craft paper on each table with a set of crayons, you know, normally for children, but we use it to take notes. So one thing I love about Robin is that every hangout we've ever had over the years, she comes with post-it notes because we don't get to see each other often enough and we don't want to miss anything. But since Jack Astor's has craft paper, we were able to write individual lists for each person featuring each topic we wanted to talk about. For example, mental health, upcoming travel, careers, Remy, relationships, new apartments, physical health, injuries. Honestly, no topic was left untouched. And not only was it super beneficial because we're a bunch of chatty Cathy's and we easily could have had a bunch of tangents that took us off course, but we also really made our server's day, which is also always one of our secret goals everywhere we go. We love to be sparkly and make people around us happy. He could not believe our notes, and how deep our friendship was, and just the smile Bree and Robin brought to his face made me so happy because they made him feel so special, but also happy that I have friends in my life who go out of their way to make everyone feel amazing. So that was a highlight of my weekend, and I cannot wait to see both of them hopefully soon, but until then, there's always our group chat. I hope you have a group chat because group chats are the best. But speaking of friendships, thank you so much for all of your kind words on last week's episode about friend pauses. If you haven't listened, a friend pause is my new gentler term for a break in a friendship because the word breakup just sounded too harsh and finite to me. Anyway, That episode had more messages than honestly I think anything I have probably ever done in my life, aside from maybe when I talked about my divorce on the Papaya podcast. And I don't say this to brag about being popular because, well, we all know I'm popular. I don't need to brag about that. (laughs) Totally kidding. But really, the messages weren't generally about me anyway. They were mostly about people going through similar feelings 
And just like being grateful that I was able to name a feeling or experience they too are having or have had in the past. And I simultaneously felt immense gratitude for every message I received, quickly followed by this like pang of sadness, knowing another person was experiencing the heartache and grief and sometimes loneliness that comes with friendships and friend pauses and endings. One of the most beautiful messages came from a close friend whom I once had a pause of at least a year or so back in the day. We were young and needed to grow up individually a little bit, but the way it happened was painful and I felt a bit responsible. But she listened to my episode and sent me a really kind message. Part of it says, The stakes were not as high for the two of us, but I'm sure you remember we had our own friendship pause back in the day. If it's of any comfort, I always had love for you throughout that time. Even if we had taken space from each other. I dare say that's the same in your current situation. I hope you guys will come out of this pause better and stronger, whether that is as individuals or as a new kind of friendship. That message brought instant tears to my eyes. Not just for myself, but especially when I thought about the many hurting messages I'd received. If you are listening and you are in the midst of a confusing friend pause, I hope you know that even if your friend has not verbally said this, I can almost assure you that they have love for you in their heart. Yes, even if you hurt them at some point. And yes, even if they hurt you at some point, you can still have love for each other. Sometimes it's hard to grow individually when you've been so connected to each other. Sometimes you just grow up at different paces. You take different paths. Sometimes jealousy, envy, and hurt creep in and make it hard to see past things. Sometimes we are our own obstacles. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Sometimes it ends up finding a way back, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's okay. But I hope knowing that the story you're imagining in your head for how they feel about you is probably worse than the truth. It doesn't make it easy, but I hope that lifts the heaviness just a little bit. I did notice one common question that seemed to pop up in many messages, and I pondered it enough to want to talk about it here. Nicole, how the heck are you able to be so vulnerable? And I had to chuckle because, right? I ask myself the same thing all the time. You mean other people don't generally air their intimate experiences and emotions on public display in podcasts? Strange. But in all seriousness, it had me wondering why vulnerability comes a bit easier to me than it does for others. And honestly, I think it's because I didn't drink from about age 19 to 27. I literally didn't have one sip of alcohol or like any type of drug. That meant going through all of university, dating, and the awkwardness of all that, getting married, learning to be social in my 20s, it was all done completely sober. I didn't really think about it much at the time, but looking back, all my friendships were built on great conversation and opening up. And drinking was just like never really part of it. Even my friends who liked to drink or party generally kept our friendships separate from that. And we also focused on quality time and usually lots of good food. <laughs> That's not to say you can't be vulnerable or have great conversations and drink. I'm just saying, being sober from 19 to 27 while you're also figuring out who you are is definitely a test in vulnerability. 
So one thing that was interesting was even though I had had a few drinks by the time I went through my divorce, it was just such a minimal part of my life that I never turned to it when processing that grief. In fact, even through that whole experience, I focused so much on external processing, like talking to a friend, talking to another friend, talking to family, talking to myself, my dog, my therapist. There was just a lot of talking. I think you get the point. And I suppose the several years of, at times, sober awkwardness, and I don't say that being sober equals being awkward, I just think I'm awkward in general sometimes, but it helped me learn to be comfortable with who I am, or at least embrace who I am. Now, the main reason I didn't drink was just that I don't like things altering my brain. And so while I partied a little bit at 18, I didn't really like it, and so I kind of just stopped. And it stuck. And suddenly it had been a year, two years, a wedding. My ex also didn't drink, but our guests did. And then seven years. That and the other reason being that I had a lot of LDS or Mormon friends. So growing up in Calgary, there are quite a few Mormon families in the area I lived. And I got especially close with some of them in high school. And it continued after I moved back from L.A., So when I was 18, I lived in LA for a little bit, came back to Calgary, and began hanging out with these amazing friends. And I already didn't really love drinking, but I found it hard to socialize without drinking when all of our high school friends were, you know, freshly 18, which is the legal drinking age in Alberta, and just like having fun, which I'm so glad they were doing. Anyway, the things I love about my Mormon friends... Great heart-to-hearts. I don't know if it's just that they talk about different topics at church and are raised being open to talk about things, or if I just happened to score some amazing pals who were very open, but I always appreciated their vulnerability. As well, doing fun things that didn't involve drinking. We'd still go dancing or even like host dances at their church, but we just didn't drink. We'd have movie nights, watch weekly shows together, game nights, go for dinner. It was just so fun. Also, admittedly, I was very, (laughs) I was very shy sexually, like I hadn't done much yet. And so I was very grateful to know that I didn't really have to worry about that aspect because many Mormons save themselves for marriage. So we could just have fun without worrying about getting drunk or regretting anything or me stressing out about sex because it was just off the table. Plus, they were just lovely people and I still love them. Being their friend and having deeper conversations allowed me to slowly start opening up and embracing who I was, but it wasn't until my divorce that I really had to figure myself out. For so many years, I kept so much of my life private. I never wanted to talk about my struggling marriage, reveal something about myself that might be embarrassing. I never wanted to like ruffle any feathers or have anyone disagree with me, but slowly that changed. And when I was hit with the shock of my ex-husband leaving me and processing his affair, I really hit my own personal rock bottom. I knew for the first time in my life I needed to ask for help, and I just felt so, like, stripped naked that I just couldn't hide anymore. I really was relying on the goodness and care from my friends and family to get me through. And I could no longer hide my broken marriage because I was no longer in the marriage. I had to talk about it. I had to be vulnerable. Something I didn't expect during that time was that my almost forced vulnerability would lead to the strongest friendship bonds I had ever had. 
I learned the power of true vulnerability and that it takes so much courage to put ourselves out there. It's really the opposite of weakness. And I would say that learning to be vulnerable changed the trajectory of my entire life. I'll never forget while my ex and I were separating, he knew I had recorded a podcast. It was called The Life Beats Project by Brianna Johnson, and it was the second podcast I'd ever been on. The first was my public failure story of trying to work for Ellen DeGeneres. Anyway, I recorded this divorce podcast from my bedroom that I shared with my ex, surrounded by boxes as I finally prepped to move out to a new place of my own. I was in the thick of it. Anyway, somehow my ex found out about the podcast, and while he admittedly did not listen, he did send me a quote from a book he was reading by Sheila Hetty called How Should a Person Be? that says, Most people live their entire lives with their clothes on, and even if they wanted to, couldn't take them off. Then, there are those who cannot put them on. They are the ones who live their lives not just as people, but as examples of people. They are destined to expose every part of themselves, so the rest of us can know what it means to be a human. Most people lead their private lives. They have been given a natural modesty that feels to them like morality, but it's not. It's luck. They shake their heads at the people with their clothes off, rather than learning about human life from their example, but they are wrong to act so superior. Some of us have to be naked, so the rest of us can be exempted by fate. I remember reading that and tearing up. I cry a lot. A lot of people didn't understand why I would go on a podcast deep in the raw parts of a painful divorce. And actually, she reposted that episode recently when she was on a bit of a hiatus. And I like, I'm so tempted to listen to it, but I'm not sure I'm even ready to go back to that time and listen to just how raw I was when I recorded it. But suddenly reading that, I felt so seen. There was an explanation to my need to bear it all. I was born to expose every part of myself so the rest of you can know what it means to be human. And if you haven't read any of Sheila Hetty's books, I recommend both How Should a Person Be and Motherhood. Continuing this week's theme of vulnerability into this segment called Pop of Culture, which is exactly that, a pop of culture. <laughs> So I watched Pamela, A Love Story when it was released on Tuesday, and wow. If you're not familiar, it's a new Netflix documentary about Pamela Anderson's life and story as told by her. The director, Ryan White, said he jumped on a Zoom call with her and was just so surprised by, like, the Pamela on a Zoom screen being so different than his perceived notion of her, and he knew that if he could capture that surprise and her essence in the film, he knew it would be amazing. And it was so good. I had no idea that Pamela was such an archivist of herself. She has footage from basically her whole life. A documentary filmmaker's dream. And much of the film is made of her watching the DVDs and VHS footage of her life. It is so raw and intimate and just really beautiful. I obviously knew about her stolen sex tape and how she never made a penny off of it, despite others making millions. But so much of her story is so heartbreaking. So many people taking advantage of her and so many people only seeing her as a sex symbol and exploiting that. She had so many different aspirations for herself that never really got to happen as her career sort of fizzled. And she just has such a kind heart. 
and is so protective of her family, especially her two sons, who evidently are so protective of her now too. Both of them appear in the documentary and one of them is actually one of the producers. Anyway, I don't want to give it all away because I think you should watch it for yourself. But know that you'll feel a sense of vulnerability and softness watching Pamela's unguardedness and calm, loving nature. It was such a beautiful film and now I'm obsessed with her two sons, Brandon and Dylan, and just like how proud they are of her for this film and her new book release. Yes, she also has a new memoir about taking back the narrative of her life called Love, Pamela. And I just downloaded it on Audible and I can't wait to listen. I didn't really have feelings about her like either way until I learned more about the truth of her story. But now I'm proudly a fully converted Pamela Anderson fan. I hope you will be too. This is one of my all-time favorite segments called Late to the Party, where I share someone or something I absolutely love that I'm either late to the party on knowing about, or you might be. Because let's be real, I'm often the last to know about things, so I really started this segment for myself. Today, I wanted to talk about Charlie Goss, a fashion stylist, a Scorpio goddess, a mama, a badass businesswoman, a super generous boss, a cancer survivor, a current cancer fighter community builder, and just so much more. And the reason I wanted to feature her today is because of her vulnerability. Charlie is battling cancer for her third time and vulnerably shares some of her appointments, struggles, and hospital stays, but somehow keeping her humor and grit through it all. But I don't want to focus too much on her cancer because that's obviously an obvious point of vulnerability, but she's also just so much more than that. I will, however, touch on two parts from the C word. Um, Earlier in her journey, Charlie actually had her tongue removed, replacing it with a skin graft from her arm, which is just wild to me. Without any muscles or like the usual magic a functional tongue has to offer, she's managed to navigate learning how to eat certain foods, not choke while doing so, and speak. I didn't really think about how fascinating my tongue was before this, but damn, I should be more grateful for it. But obviously only being able to eat certain foods, pretty blend in taste and texture wise, has kept her quite thin and invited a lot of comments from followers and clients. Charlie has vulnerably shared this part of her story on social media to serve as a reminder to never comment on someone's body because you have no idea why they may look that way, or what points of contention or triggers it may bring up for them. As well, without a proper functioning tongue, her speech is slightly different, and I just think she's so badass putting herself out there in the public eye, literally speaking on her Instagram stories to 128,000 people, and I'm sure not all of whom are always kind, going on podcasts, TV segments, meeting with clients... And Charlie doesn't make a big deal about any of these things. She's got this like natural cool factor and just seems to take everything in stride. But I think she's amazing. And I first followed her a few years ago when she only had like three or 4,000 followers on Instagram. It's so hard to believe now that she was ever just like a little micro influencer. Now that she has, you know, 128,000 followers and like an entire fashion styling empire but it's true. And her story has been one of my favorites to witness in real time. So 
After her second battle with cancer, Charlie just like took a breather. You know, that's a lot. Had two perfect little babies. And she knew she finally needed to take the plunge and just like go for it with her styling career. The only thing stopping her in the past was her confidence, which honestly blows my mind because she's the coolest human. But, you know, even cool humans have trouble going for it. But she did it. She really went for it. And she knew Instagram would be the place to do it. So throughout 2020, Charlie was hustling on Instagram. She was honestly popping out Instagram reels the way the rest of the world was popping out sourdough. With every post, she would humbly and vulnerably ask her followers to share. Hit that airplane, I remember she'd say, hit that airplane and share. Because her goal was to make it to the elusive 10,000 followers. I tried to share a few and I bought one of her original style guides from like way back then, which is probably worth something now on eBay. (laughs) And along with her style reels, she was posting style trends and tips in her Instagram stories almost constantly. I mean, like I don't even think she ever slept. Her trademarked Cool Not Cool is an Instagram series with her own sassy personal brand of tough love. And honestly, some people are offended by her blunt honesty, but I'm here for it. People need to take a chill pill. She's literally talking about clothes, so there's no need to get our knickers in a knot. Anyway, Charlie and her team are so awesome, and I'm honestly just rooting for her in everything she does. They have tons of different services to choose, everything from digital guides to personal shopping, closet overhauls, interior design, and even a membership. So if you're late to the party on this one and want some epic fashion advice and links for free on their Instagram, you need to follow at Charlie Goss, that's C-H-A-R-L-Y-G-O-S-S, and at Charlie Goss Style Inc., that's C-H-A-R-L-Y-G-O-S-S-S-T-Y-L-E-I-N-C, on Instagram. And don't worry, all the links are in my show notes. Well, that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and being here. My last vulnerable request is if you like this podcast, please head over to wherever you listen and leave a rating and a review if you can. As well, if an episode strikes a chord with you, I would be so grateful if you send it to your friends or even share on your social media. Those gestures help get me to be the best friend in more ears. Um, Be sure to follow me on social media at Finding Sparkle Chasing Light and at Nicole Brienne. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-B-R-E-A-N-N-E. Thank you so much. And remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself.